0: Job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. We definitely had an interesting week this past week, and I hope wherever you are listening to this that you're safe and healthy. But let's dive right into some of the stories that stood out in this week's episode of What Happened This Week. The first story of this week revolves around vaccine mandates and requirements. So, You know, if you've seen the news or if you've kind of kept up with what's going on with this uh, COVID-19 virus throughout the past several months, we have had a lot of different vaccines come out. I think off the top of my head, there's Pfizer, Moderna and the Johnson & Johnson, which I'm not sure if that one's still being administered or not. Initially, a lot of corporations were making people work from home. A lot of cities were shut down. But as the vaccine rollout increased and more people were getting vaccinated, things started opening back up. Naturally, a lot of employers, corporations are paying a lot of money for their corporate campuses or their buildings or whatever the building that they're leasing out and they want their employers back in office. Some employers are definitely insecure as well, thinking their employees are not working at home. So they have that old school mentality and would actually prefer their employees coming into the office so that they can see that they're actually working. Others are making it a voluntary choice where, you know, it's up to you if you want to come once or twice a week. There's a process in place. You have to fill out some paperwork and get clearance, and then you can come on site and work. Now, each company definitely has their own method and way of going about this, but something that's been in the news a lot recently is the whole vaccine mandate, where some employers are going out and saying that you will be returning on site on X date, and before this date, you need to have your COVID-19 shot. Obviously, there's people that support this because of all the various variants we've had come out recently. People are saying with more people vaccinated, uh, this will push back against that and they'll feel more comfortable coming into work with other people, including unions and some other uh, people on the other side of that whole spectrum saying, you know, you can't kind of make us do this and you can't put my employment on the line for something like this and I'm not comfortable getting a vaccine shot. Now, one of the companies that stood out to me was Tyson Foods. They are known as the world's second largest food processor and they recently came out and said, That they are requiring their United States workforce of 120,000 employees to be vaccinated by November. On top of this, there is an incentive. So, workers that prove that they got vaccinated, I believe, are getting a $200 bonus. But nevertheless, they are requiring their United States workforce of 120,000 employees to be vaccinated by November when they come on site. Now, I wasn't that familiar with Tyson Foods, so I kind of looked into a little bit more. And there are some better known or at least to me, more well-known companies that are requiring somewhat similar circumstances for employees to come back on site. Walmart, for example, is requiring vaccinations for all of their corporate workers. Microsoft is saying that they will require proof of vaccinations for their workers and also requiring proof from vendors and any guests entering Microsoft buildings in the United States. So not only will their corporate employees need to be vaccinated, but if any guests is coming on site or if any vendors or which happens a lot in corporate, especially in places that I've worked, there's been guests coming every single day. I actually remember in the heat of covid that was a big issue where we were scared to let people in the building so i understand where microsoft is coming from with this to ensure that all guests and their workers have the vaccine shot but again this will this flow naturally you know this isn't just microsoft having say over their own employees but they want pl- employees coming from elsewhere as well aka vendors to be vaccinated so i'm not sure if this go this is going to see any pushback or if this will go smoothly now there are some other companies as well i'm pretty sure if you just google Uh, Corporate vaccine mandates, you'll see a large list that's probably even growing larger ever since this episode releases, but some of their names that I saw on that list included Lyft, Netflix, New York Times, Twitter, BlackRock, Cisco, Delta Airlines, Equinox, Facebook, and then of course we can throw on the companies we already mentioned. Tyson Foods, Walmart, and Microsoft. The one thing that is glaring to me is, as an HR professional, I was wondering, can employers do this? Can they say, hey, you need to be vaccinated before coming on site? I looked into it a little bit, and according to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, employers can legally require COVID-19 vaccination for employees to re-enter the workplace and can provide incentives to encourage employees to get the COVID-19 vaccine shot. Of course, for individuals that Uh, can't get it due to a disability or a sickness. Uh, Companies need to provide that reasonable accommodation to those individuals and people who just don't have access to it or whatever the case is. It definitely is by a case-by-case basis. But it seems like for the most part, employers can require this and they can even give a bonus as Tyson Foods did earlier. So definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward, how unions and how employees in general react to this. Maybe there's going to be more work from home. People might push for, you know, I'll stay home. I don't want to get the COVID shot. Or maybe people that missed the office, that are adverse to getting the shot will get the shot because they want to go back to the office. So I don't know how this is going to play out, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Now our second story of the day involves Apple, the giant big tech company, because they recently came out and said they will be scanning photos on iPhones for child abuse material. So the technology they're using is called CSAM detection, which CSAM stands for child sexual abuse materials. Apple said that they are introducing this new measure to help protect children from predators and prevent the sharing of CSAM images. The CSAM detection tool will work in three areas. Those three areas are photos, Syrian search, and messages. So it seems like Apple will have access to your photos in your iCloud, or they're using a technology to kind of detect if any child abuse photos are in there, uh, not just in your iClouds. It seems like they can check your photos, your messages, and your Syrian search. So the first thing that comes to mind when I read this was, will they just have 24-7 access to your photos and your messages, and are they... Is there an apple employee that's always going through it will cathcart the head of facebook's whatsapp instant messaging app apologies if i butchered that name but he actually called out this decision and said that it is invasive it is going against people's privacy in a tweet he said that i read the information apple put out yesterday and i'm concerned i think this is the wrong approach and a setback for people's privacy all over the world now apple's spokesperson did respond to this saying that the new apple software would only detect child sex abuse materials in icloud which users can disable any time so i'm not sure if this is just an iCloud or i'm not that familiar with iCloud does iCloud include your messages and your Siri and your all your photos so i don't know i'm not 100% sure with how iPhone works like that but it does seem like this is another story to keep an eye on as it may be invasive in people's privacy or at least to me it seems like this is going to get swamped in litigation and lawsuits so i'm not sure how this is going to move forward but let's see how they work around this apple is an advanced company and they probably have some smart minds putting putting something together to get around this. Now, our final story of the day covers Robinhood, uh, specifically their IPO, how their first week went on the stock market and some insider trading and trouble they have gone into uh, recently. For those that don't know, Robinhood is a financial services platform. They allow you to buy and sell stocks, stock options. Uh, they kind of were the, I guess, pioneer of trading on your cell phone, commission-free, uh, kind of a free platform. Anyone, no minimum balances, you can just go in and trade. Now, of course, they have had past issues with halting trading. They've had payment for order flow controversies. Their crypto platform is lacking. Uh, their customer service line is also, I'd say, lacking. They've also been in the news for a lot of negative press involving a lot of stocks that kind of rip lately, including, you know, AMC and GameStop, just kind of halting trading. And then I think. They halted Dogecoin as well. I'm not sure about that. But the biggest story that I would say was ever in the news involving Robinhood was the suicide of Alex Kearns. He unfortunately saw a negative balance of $730,000 in his account, which was due to a lack of settlement in some options trading. So it wasn't an actual negative balance. It was supposed to clear out. But Alex emailed Robinhood customer support asking about what this, where this negative balance came from. And the support line didn't really get back to him on time. And unfortunately, that did lead to the suicide of Alex Kearns. This case, I believe in July of 2021, was settled by Robinhood and the team representing Alex Kearns. Now, with all of that aside, Robinhood IPO'd on July 29th. So their company was a publicly traded company. People could buy stock, buy and sell their stock. Their co-founders as well, Vlad Tenev and Baiju Butt. They sold nearly forty-eight million million worth of shares in Robinhood's public offering. So last I checked, they were kind of in hot waters due to insider trading or potential insider trading. And then the stock did kind of rip in its first full week. It was up 57% beyond the opening price of $38 per share. And as of recording this episode, the stock sits at $55.36. So who knows where it goes from here? The first week is complete for Robinhood. It is definitely littered with a lot of negative publicity, within these last few months and years and let's see how they go moving forward with this new IPO and how the stock does. One thing that I would love to relate this back into kind of the realm of jobs not finished is, you know, benefits. And when you are interviewing for a company, especially at an executive level position or higher, you are offered employee stock options. And sometimes even at an entry level, if you're like a software engineer at one of these um, high level tech companies, they offer you employee stock options. So it's something to look into, definitely can be a perk, any benefit that If they don't offer you one thing, you can say, hey, you guys can compensate this by offering me employee stock options. So definitely something to look into and keep your eye on. All three of these stories, actually, with the vaccine requirements, the Apple and the privacy issue, and then the Robinhood IPO and employee stock options in general. Overall, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Uh, Please keep an eye out for the Jobs Not Finished episode that we'll be releasing on Wednesday of this week. And yeah, I hope you join us again next time and stay safe and take care until then, guys.